Did you know we get 936 weeks with our children? Yep, that's it, till they're 18. And my next guest has one penny for each week in a jar on her kitchen windowsill. At the end of the week, she transfers one penny over to the jar that started as empty, and it is a constant reminder of how many weeks she has left. Did that just make your stomach sink and make you truly gasp for some air? I know it did for me, and I even knew what I was about to say. I hope this interview will give you a better feeling than that, but I do hope it challenges you to dig deep and take time to self-evaluate if you are indeed parenting on purpose, because our next guest, Amy Carney, is going to fill you up today, friends, and make you think very hard about what truly matters. Amy lives in Arizona and is a leadership parenting coach, author of the book Parent on Purpose, speaker, product maker, wife to retired NHL guy, and mom to five, triplet sons launching to college in August, 17-year-old daughter who will be a senior, and their 13-year-old son they adopted out of foster care three and a half years ago. Get ready for a really special episode. Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted. Turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project. Maybe don't look at the sink and make yourself at home, friend. This is where our family of six hangs out. It's where our real life happens. Stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know, that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace, but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family. We work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well. Come along with us to gather together to grow through it all. Welcome, friend, with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. My mom, who always doesn't like worms, Jennifer Zumbia. This to gather for family dinner review comes from Andrea, family of seven in Kentucky. She says, Jennifer, we had some crabby kiddos when dinner started tonight until one said, Mom, can we play the dinner game? Uh, yes, yes, we can play the dinner game. All that crabbiness quickly turned to laughter. Funny, tears rolling down our faces, laughter. Thank you, Together. Well, thank you, Andrea. I love nothing more than to picture everybody's families being able to use these stickers for so much goodness. Please keep the reviews coming. Send them to me on Facebook, on our podcast, or through a direct message, and I will share them with other families. Amy, welcome. I am so excited for you to be here with us at Families That Stick Together. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to finally be here with you. I know. So we met on Instagram and I believe, I don't even know who found who first, but we traded products and it's been a beautiful relationship because I just feel so connected to you and what you stand for as a parent. And you're ahead of me in that you just graduated your 18-year-old triplets from high school 
And my oldest is just a, a year away from starting high school. So I always appreciate moms like you who I can look towards. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I do the same thing. I think it's one of the most most important things we can do as a mother is, you know, look ahead and, um, you know, take advice and, you know, and watch how other people are, are mothering and get ideas from them. Absolutely. So one really big idea you gave me is through your book and not even one idea, but it's encompassed by the title of your book called Parent on Purpose. And I feel like just that phrase right there really launched me into what I'm even doing with Together and just becoming more intentional. But I want your, you to take our listeners and our friends out there through the journey that we get at the beginning of your book. And this might be kind of like a spoiler alert, but <laughs> I think everyone needs to get your book because you... Um, Okay, so you, you wrote your book thinking it would be about one experience mm -hmm. and it became something completely different. So tell us what that one big significant moment in your all's family of seven, your life that really changed everything for you. Yeah, so six years ago, um, our family decided to pull out of life and we bought an RV and pulled our kids out of school and sports and everything that we were involved in um, and hit the road to travel around the whole U United States for seven months. And we did that because my kids were in entering middle school and I could already tell like that this, this was going so fast and we weren't living at all like how I thought we'd be living. We were just reacting to what came in the, you know, the way in the, what came our way in the day and rushing the kids around to everything and just falling into bed exhausted every night and doing it all again the next day. And we woke up to the fact that we did not want to launch our kids in, in a few years and have regret. Um, and so we, like I said, stopped everything and regrouped. And we did that in an RV headed around the United States. And it did, it changed everything for us. Wow. I'm just so proud of you for that because mm -hmm. as I mentioned in our, in our, intro of you, you are married to a former NHL player, which to me screams, you know, success, high mm. commitment to your extracurricular activities. And I know mm -hmm. your children were all involved in their sports, their academics and everything. And you made this really incredible, brave choice to just do what was good for your family. That is so incredible. And that's why we're here because that is what led you down the path to even write this book, to put all this goodness out there, to share with so many families. Yeah, so do you I, feel like? Well, I love that you call it brave and that's exactly what that is. And that's exactly what we have to be um, when raising kids today, because we can get so confused um, and caught up in the performance and achievement culture, um, you know, that we're raising kids in today. And while there's, you know, amazing things, my kids, you know, I do well in school and they, you know, do well in their activities and all that, but that's not the end goal. And we had to stop and show our kids what's really important in life. Um, and we did it, like I said, through, through this RV um, traveling, you know, families can do it in their own way in many ways, but we don't want to get to the end of this and regret it because we all only get one chance. We do. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that stresses people out. It stresses me out, but it needs to in a way, because, 
I see too many moms get to the end, you know, dads too, get to the end and launch their kids and they have so much sadness and guilt and regret because they had wanted to do certain things in their family and they never got around to it. Um, and so that's my hope. That's my hope with the book is, you know, to help people, you know, figure, figure out for them what's, what's important and how they can live that out realistically. Okay. So yes, yes, yes to all of that. <laughs> One of the first things I underlined in your book when I read it was this. In today's culture, this is what you wrote, in today's culture, a strong family story does not happen by accident and neither does raising a strong adult. Both are cultivated by a purposeful leader who takes the time and makes an effort to turn a vision into reality through intentional action. And that would be our vision of who we want our children to be and what we want our family to be, right? So you know I wholeheartedly agree with this, but here's what I'd like to start with today. We parents know what it takes to have a strong family. It certainly takes the purpose and the intention, but I'd love for you to open this topic with an objection that some of our listeners may have, especially coming out of such a trying and unpredictable spring. Maybe they're saying, Amy, I really, really agree with you. I do, but I am too exhausted to even think how to be purposeful and intentional. So what is your best advice for not going down that trap of falling off the path and then sacrificing what you really want as a parent for your family? Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with people. I mean, we are exhausted. We're overwhelmed. And especially right now when we've been stuck at home, you know, uh, so often. But um, I kind of start the book out talking about visualizing the end, right? And you're sitting in a movie theater and all your, your friends and family gather and, you know, on's going to come a movie from your firstborn's life. And, you know, we're all going to sit and watch the movie of their childhood. And are we seeing the scenes that you, you want to see in the end, right? I mean, are, are, are we watching a story that was, was intentionally, you know, developed or is it, are we just watching the same old scenes, you know, the same scenes happen throughout the 18 years? So we are all tired and we all are overwhelmed, but we have to look at the end. We have to look at the end and figure out what our goal is. Where are we headed? Um, and if you don't take the time to do that, I don't think we'll ever be able to catch up um, in this culture we're living in and, and try and make some intentional actions when raising our kids. So I think you start there. You, you just look at the end and you're launching your 18-year-old, your firstborn, and who do you want them to be in the world? How do you want to feel as a parent? Um, launching them. And then how can you start living that out today in simple ways? Like it, it, you don't have to get in an RV and drive around the US in simple ways this summer, this year, how can you begin living, living this out? So one thing, Amy, that I really appreciate you so much of your book, I really appreciate you putting out there and your social media messages and everything that you just stand for. But you you and I could probably have an entire episode on what I'm about to say, but so much of our culture is just about immediate gratification and not so much planning for future consequences, but just living in the moment. How's it feel now? And so much about that feeling and this and that. And I very much appreciate what you are 
doing for families who will actually take your advice and use it and make sure they're looking towards that end goal. And you divide up your book into three six-year increments with our kids between birth to age 18. So six years, one is lead, one is love, one is launch. Can you mm -hmm. please explain that to us? Because the way you do it is so perfect for us really seeing that we have to look to the future and what those goals are. Right. Well, not many people know, but I wrote my book based on a Jenga game. Do you know this? Um, and so it was kind of my visual. I'm a visual learner. Um, and it's, it was my visual for writing the book. So Jenga is made up of 18 layers. And so I kind of decided the first six layers of that tower are when we can strengthen ourselves best as a parent, right? When our kids are young, we're overwhelmed. I mean, it's exhausting in those first six years. So we can start to figure out who we are as a parent. And that's my first section is lead. How can we become stronger as a person, as an individual, and as a parent? And then we move into the middle section, which um, I feel like you're in. And I call that the prime time. I mean, that's when we went on our RV trip. That middle section between seven and 12, when your kids are ages seven to 12, um, is, is ideal to me to really pour into your family culture. Um, I think that's, that's the, I mean, that's the biggest advice I have is, is put that intentional effort in during those years into your family, developing who, who you are um, individually and who you are as a family. Um, because then the next stage, that last stage is my launch stage, which is uh, teenagers, 13 to 18. And this is where we start pushing them into the world, you know, developing them into a strong adult that we can um, feel confident to launch in the world, you know, at 18, 19 years old. So um, we're strengthening ourselves first, which is lead. In the middle is strengthening our family, which is the love section. And the final section is strengthening our children into strong adults, which is the launch. So I will keep pushing your book for everyone to buy because it is so easy to grasp. I mean, that just makes perfect sense. And it's such a quick read. And it's something that I've gone back to and looked at because I've underlined a whole lot of things. I had no idea it was based after the Jenga game, which <laughs> I love that game. And I also um, never knew it was 18 layers at the start. So that's cool. And this actually goes to my next question because I loved your whole chapter devoted to play in your book. In our family, play may actually be a bit too much a part of our lives in that it can actually come at the expense of having set bedtimes in the summer and limited boundaries with work time, for example. We love to play with our kids to the point where we can have self-inflicted guilt for not saying yes when they ask us to, you know, stop to play ping pong or something because we know it's good and those moments are going to pass all too quickly. Plus, we have four kids, so as you know, it's even tougher spreading your time out. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. Did you struggle with guilt when you returned from your RV trip? And just because that was the time where you were fully playing together. Mm -hmm. And what would you tell the parent who knows they should go on the family hike, for example, but they really need to stay home to catch up on laundry? Yeah, well, that's me. I'm that parent. I'm not a playful parent. Um, I, I'm not that parent, or I wasn't. 
um, to sit on the floor and play games all the time. And, you know, I just, um, that just isn't who I am. And so grabbing that RV trip was to help me be more playful and to be more engaged in the family. And um, so when we got home, I, I laughed because I, no, I was I didn't, didn't have guilt. I couldn't wait to put them back in school. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I realized on that trip and we all did, like, there's so many aspects of play, like just being outdoors. And, you know, my kids were, I remember being in Indiana and they got to catch fireflies for the first time. And I grew up in Indiana and doing that myself. And so just simple moments of play. Um, I talk in my book about how I look at our family dinner table as play um, because that's a way we, we can laugh and be, you know, and that's why I love about your product too, because it helps us, you know, play around the table. That's who we are. So I think parents need to claim what play is to them, right? Everybody, it comes easy for you and your family, and, you know, in a different way where others, it's, it's very hard maybe for some people to incorporate play. Um, but I, I look at play as what brings your family closer together? Where, where, where is that place? Well, name your playgrounds. What, you know, who, who are you and how do you play well? Maybe it is board games and puzzles and maybe it's the family dinner table. Maybe, you know, you've got to claim that for yourself and then do more of that. It's not constant play to me every day, all day. (laughs) Well, I know it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not for us either. I I like how you just said, name your playground. Now, I, you know, in our family, we definitely go through seasons. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. in summer right now as we record this. And so playtime seems extra heightened right now because Mm -hmm. lack of schedule and all of that. But, you know, when we are on more of a schedule, I, I like the idea of you saying name your playground so they know that this point is devoted or this time of day is devoted to this and then you know that we'll all regroup and reconnect right here or whatever it might be. So thank you for saying that. I think that's good advice. Well, and one other thing I like to tell people too is, is what you're doing today in your family sustainable? Like, is there something that you're doing that will be lasting that when you have seniors in high school, they can still engage in this type of play because believe me when your kids get older they don't want to play with your you know their family or their parents so have you, are you creating things now that are sustaining that you know your your high school graduates will still be able to engage in that family dinner table right and the conversation starters um we have a game left center right is kind of our family game we've been playing it you know we started out with pennies and now we're you know quarters and dollars but when we just played it last week as a family we had a blast you know, we had a blast with three 18-year-olds, a 17-year-old, a 13-year-old, um, because we've been doing it. We've been doing it, you know, year after year after year. And I think that's what we got to think about, you know, what, what's sustaining? And we put our efforts into that. You know, like the hiking, you know, if, if you're a hiking family, if, you're, if you go to the lake, what is it that's sustaining? What's something you'll be able to do with the grandkids one day? And we think that about camping, you know, with that big RV trip. We still try and go camping maybe once a year to a KOA because it keeps those memories alive. And we know one day we'll be able to take, we'll be able to get our kids home and take the grandkids to a KOA because it's part of who our family is. Yeah. You do have to just keep reminding yourself what brings you together. Right. And Mm -hmm. I know, I feel like we have constant like little family meetings or something where we realize we actually enjoy (laughs) doing this more now or whatever. And so, you know, I feel like as my kids have grown into this junior high age, biking has become more of a thing where they ask mom and dad to do it with them. And it's, it's just, 
I, I enjoy seeing us grow in those playtime activities in a different way that becomes more, you know, um, for the longevity, like you said. Yeah, it's, I, lo- I love that, watching that, watching your family grow up together. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, talking about the laundry, the laundry always has to be done. And so if you're debating, you know, going on that hike or you're debating staying home, the laundry, I, you, have to de- you have to know if you've invested in playtime, you know, that week, right? And then you've got to make that decision if, if, you know, the laundry can wait, which we all know it can, but can it really? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I don't think, I think we can cause people guilt to think like, oh my gosh, I have to always go on the hike. I always have to go on the bike ride because, you know, the time is limited, time is short, but that, that's not realistic either. I mean, you know, with, with, as a mother and with five, a lot of kids, we have a lot of work to do around the house too. So I don't think it takes that much time and that much effort um, to invest in our kids and our, in our family and create meaningful moments. It does not have to be all day, every day, constantly. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because my whole business is about, my whole mission is we understand sometimes all you have are the small moments. So let's make them big. You don't always have everything. And one thing you said there is, did you do your playtime activity for the week? You didn't say for the day because sometimes that's not the right expectation, right? Real life Mm -hmm. can sometimes be, hey, mom's really busy today and tomorrow with XYZ, dad's out of town. You might not see us for two days really getting down with you guys, but guess what? When Saturday comes, we'll do this awesome thing as a family or whatever. And I think we definitely need to be talking about that and because that's real life. Mm -hmm. It's real life. And that's why I did the 936 penny jars. I mean, because it held me visually accountable and I need that. Because I will keep working, I will keep, you know, putting it off to tomorrow, which a lot of us do, you know, putting off that play or that connective time. And then when I'm doing the dishes and looking at those pennies, I have to, you know, hold myself accountable to, did I go on that hike that I could have gone on or that bike ride or, um, and so I say, do that for yourself. If you need that, um, hold yourself accountable because you don't want to get to the end and have regrets. I know I don't. Um, and I'm here, I'm ready to launch, you know, the first three and I, and I feel great about it. I mean, I'm sad. It'll bring me to tears in an instant, but um, thank goodness that I feel you know, good about launching them because that's how we all want. That's a place we all want to be, I think, um, uh, is that we, we, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed raising them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I got to live my own life too. You know, I have a, I have a business and I have you know, a marriage and all these things. And, and motherhood is one amazing aspect of my life, but um, I'm happy that I've invested in all areas of my life. Ah, yes. And you kept the balance going through it all so that back again could be another topic. <laughs> but when you get to that end, it's not, it wasn't all about you being a mother. You have another identity, but you did that really, really well also. This bonus question with Amy comes to us from our Together for Family Dinner Warm and Fuzzy category. We call this our free hug section. Who doesn't want that? This was the category that we made this game for. It's one of only seven, but this is the one that we wanted you all to really, really have with these Together moments. You just sit down, you hear the sweetest words, the best compliments, such valuable things spoken, 
It is just so heartwarming and it really does feel like a hug. And of course, all these are right there for you at togethermoments.com. So Amy, this would be as if you were peeling this with your own family, but we would love to hear your answer. Tell the youngest person in your family what makes them valuable to your family. Okay, well, as you know, or may not know, um, we adopted our youngest, our fifth, just three and a half years ago. Um, And so we tell him all the time how valuable he is to our family. Uh, He brings us so much joy and laughter, like I would say laughter. Um, And we also tell him he's kind of our our version of the family pet because we don't have any animals and that's how my kids treat him. Like like he's so playful and fun. And so he just brings a whole nother level of, of play and joy to our family. Oh, and do your other children's friends agree with that? Do they kind of embrace that role with him when they come over too? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like any younger sibling, I guess. My my family though, you know, the kids were born so close together. You know, there was four kids in 18 months. So they never got the experience of, of a younger sibling like your family does, you know, most families. So um, it's probably, he's just probably treated like any, you know, younger, younger sibling. Ah, what a great way to tell the youngest person what makes them valuable to your family. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Amy, your entire parenting philosophy is based on knowing the values you have for your family and then putting them into practice, modeling them, and being consistent. I'd love for you to talk about the value gap that parents face that you mentioned in your book, as in saying one thing and then acting another way. Oh my gosh. I think this is huge. I think it's what we all face in culture today because um, for us, you know, faith is, is number one and, you know, many values stem from that. But, you know, when your kids are involved in sports and, and activities and everything, that kind of dictates, right? If you can go to church on a Sunday morning or it, it or if you can get to the family dinner table together, it, what happens is these activities and um, things our kids are involved in start running our families and we allow it because we don't know what else to do. We don't like it necessarily but we allow it and we can't allow it. I mean, we have to at some point say um, enough is enough. This is what we're going to, you know, if we say faith is our most important, then how are we going to worship together as a family? Maybe we can't get to church on Sunday morning or, you know, so um, we've got to slow down and claim our core values. Um, I have in the back of my book, I have a whole list of, I think 90, 92, 94 values. And I ask people to start out with six, like kind of, I would circle every one of them probably because I, I mean, we want our, our kids to, you know, embody all these wonderful values, but really your top six, and then we focus in on those. And, um, and then we've got to be aware of the performance achievement uh, culture that we're raising them in. And how can we, you know, raise them with excellence and to be, you know, excellent students and excellent in their activities, but yet still know that that's not the end goal, right? That, that, that's something we do, but it's not who we are. Um, and, and so we slow down and claim that and find ways that we can, you know, work around that and still prioritize, you know, our top values. Yes. And I love that you have that list back there. And you say start with six. Mm-hmm. Again, realistic, right? What's, what can we really focus on? But to be consistent and really model that for our family, it's not always easy because, you know, you have to be hyper aware of your own example that you're leading by. So I have to smile when I hear, when I read in your book about 
leading by example. And you talked about letting your kids handle their own problems. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of one of the earliest memories I have of telling my oldest child to handle her own problem. Anna was in first grade and she was she came home one day and said, so-and-so always talks about, and it was something like dirty talk, you know, nothing terrible, but just little boy dirty talk. And she said, it really bothers me. And I said, well, then you need to tell your teacher. So we role-played how she would do that. And I said, I'm not calling your teacher about this, but if you would like to talk to her about it, you can. So I saw her teacher a couple weeks later and she was just rolling laughing when she saw me. And she said, oh my gosh, Anna walked up to me the one day and told me so-and-so wouldn't stop talking about blank. And she said, it took everything for me to not laugh at her, but I, I thought it was so great that she talked to me and, and so forth. But the problem was solved and I was very proud of Anna, but I was happy with me as a parent. I felt like it was, you know, I had really taken a step to empower my child and it was so empowering to me. So I'd love to hear you share us with us a story where one of your children solved their own problem that you feel really turned out to be a significant character building moment for them. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that because I mean, starting that in first grade and teaching them how to advocate for themselves. I mean, it's, it's huge. And I think like, like you, I, I want to launch a strong adult one day. So I've got to step back and let them start learning how to do that. And it's hard. I think it's one of the hardest things to do as a parent. And as they get older, their problems get harder, um, you know, and more consequences to them. But in my book, I wrote about um, a time one of my sons lost his wallet, I think I, I wrote about. And, you know, and his first instinct is he, I mean, he was 16. So he and his brother driven themselves to the mall and he comes home and it was, you know, first instinct is mom, help. I need help, you know, and, and I lost my wallet. What, what do I do? And so it's like, I have to take a step back and say, okay, I know what to do. You know, I've been, I've been living a life a lot longer than him. I'm a pretty efficient problem solver, but he's not. And so I've got to let him figure this out. Um, and so it was really painful because it took him forever to figure it out. I mean, why did he leave them all knowing he lost a wallet? He needed, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, but um, you know, I would have gotten that wallet back that night and he took forever figuring out, you know, he called and no one had it. And he ended up having to replace everything and he figured it out. And then the funny thing is in the book, I didn't say this, but a few weeks later I was driving by that mall and I thought, I'm just going to go in and see if that wallet's in there. And sure enough, it was like, it was at the front desk with the lady and she was so happy that I came in and got it. Um, and then I laughed, you know, I, I snapchatted a picture to my son and told, <laughs> told him he could, told him he could buy it back for $20, but, um, so you know, but we've got to slow down and remember that's our job. I mean, I love how you said that empowered your child and it empowered you. I feel, you know, as a parent, and I feel the exact same way. I feel so um, good when I let my kids make mistakes and learn from their failures, even though it can be painful sometimes. I mean, that is not a painful story necessarily, you know, losing a wallet. Um, but that's how they learn and grow and learn how to be okay making mistakes in the world and um, solve them their way. Like I'm always alongside them. Um, we'll help them, you know, figure it out, but I won't solve problems for them. And they know that they know, they've known that. I mean, I've never been one to run and bring them things to school or, and I have a whole thing on my blog too. I wrote about though, but there are times when we do bail our kids out. So how do you know when to, 
um, you know, how do you discern when to bail them out and when to let them fail and experience, you know, the consequences of their mistakes. So I do have a blog that I wrote about that, that, um, cause there are ways that we do step in to show love, you know, and support to our child, but yes. And such a hard thing. And I, I think it's such a model of really the big picture of life and just our relationship with God and how much mm -hmm. he lets us fail before he steps in because it's just about growing. I mean, we have to have those seasons of growth, right? Exactly. So I think all of our listeners know the answer to this question. However, I really want to answer, ask it because I think it, it really sums up what your whole goal was in sharing your Parent on Purpose book with the world. So here you are on the eve of launching your triplets into the world as they will leave for college in a few short months. Amy, what are you most proud of in your Parenting on Purpose journey? Oh my gosh, that's a hard one. Um, I think it's, it's a hard one, but um, I think it's the small moments we created over and over, actually. Um, you know, you would think it would be the RV trip, this big thing, but it's not. It's, it's the family dinner table um, that we, my kids have, my kids have grown up around and the, the you know, just the, the conversations we've had around that table, the games we've played, the family meetings. So it, for me, the thing I'm most proud of is the, is our family dinner table and knowing that they will look forward to coming back to that table, you know, through, through the rest of their lives. Oh, Amy was not paid to give that answer. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wasn't. <laughs> but I'm so glad you did. My third episode was about the power of the family dinner table. And it's mm -hmm. not about all those benefits of decreased anxiety and increased conversation skills. It's not that. It's what does it do for the heart of our family and the why of why we even care to stick together, right? Mm -hmm. But to be strong and we really do see the power in that bonding us. I am so happy you shared that. I love, like I said before, you're, you're ahead of me in this journey. And I like to know that, you know, we're on the right path, making it so much about our dinner table. Right. And it's that simple. I think it's that simple. You know, if we, some days that's the only time I see my family is that one hour. And there's some nights when we, many nights, obviously with, with five teenagers that we're not all there at the table either. Um, and I always tell people too, maybe dinner time doesn't work for you. So you do it in the morning, you do breakfast, you do, you do what works for your family dynamic, but we want to create something um, where our kids always want to come back to always know that they can be who they are and, um, you know, and, and that they feel supported and loved around that table. And mom will be cooking one of the same five meals that they complain about. But, you know, <laughs> one day they're going to come home and be happy to eat that chicken dish because uh, that's what we've always done. Yes, they will. I feel like we're definitely going to have to have another episode with Amy Carney here. But I want to end with the same thing we ask everyone. Amy, what's one thing helping your family stick together right now? Oh my gosh. One thing that's helping our family stick together right now is laughter. And like, like I said, left, center, right, simple things that we've, we've taken through their entire, entire childhood, I think just um, is, is helping us stick together today with these older, older kids, simple games and the family table. Ah, 
Thank you for that. And I, yes, just those simple moments. I like that you reassured us that that's all it takes. So Amy, please tell our friends where they can find you, all your goodness, all your um, wonderful books and resources. So just my website is my name, amycarney.com. And you can follow me on Instagram is where I have the most fun. That's uh, at Amy L. Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. And I'm also on Facebook as well. Same. Amy, thank you so much for this. I love that you're such a light in all those spaces. And I just have really enjoyed getting to know you and watching your family. Yeah, thank you so much. You're an inspiration to me as well. Wasn't that just so good to sit here with Amy and find out how to be a parent on purpose? I love diving into what she says because I feel like it, it takes me back to when I was a young mom and I look to those moms that were just a few years ahead of me and the ones that I knew were doing really well, that were raising really good families, and I wanted to know their secrets. And Amy has given that to us in her book, Parent on Purpose, through this interview, through all her social media channels, her blog, everywhere. And I think we can gain so much wisdom from her. I hope that you will walk away, slow down, claim your family's core values, be more aware of them, that you will pour into your family culture, that you will act in a way that really makes you feel empowered to lead and love and launch those children into the world as just amazing human beings that you can be proud of that God entrusted you with. I hope that this episode will leave you feeling a little stronger as a family that sticks together. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.